Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast. To start listening. Welcome to Courtside Conversation. I'm your girl, Allie Love. After years on the hardwood as the in arena host for the Brooklyn Nets, it's time for me to take it courtside. We're here with artists, athletes, and all of our favorite people to break down the game called life. We're getting real about the grow up and the glow up. So let's take a seat. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Courtside Conversation. I'm your girl, Ali Love. Now, our next guest hails from Queen, New York. He's known for his progressive Viking style. He's a professional BMX athlete, Nigel Sylvester. Nigel, what's up? What's up? You got it right, too. Look at that. <laughs> I love that. You know, I you know. that for us. Straight to the point. Straight to the right. point. All right, so here's the deal. Four quarters of great conversation, and I want to jump right in. We're in tip-off. Let's talk right. about the opportunities that were afforded to you. I talk about this all the time. As a kid growing up, I didn't know what I could be or who I could be. Mm -hmm. You chose a career that I was never exposed to as a kid, Mm -hmm. BMX athlete. How did you know that you could do that? It's crazy because I was telling this story earlier where like, I remember just being in my grandmother's driveway and there was a big wheeler there. And one day I got on the big wheeler and just started riding it in the driveway. And next thing you know, I was doing drifts on my big wheeler. And my cousin was like, that was cool. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm getting this I'm getting this confirmation from someone in my life that I looked up to. Mm. And with by what I was doing, and they were like, that's cool. So I'm going to do it again to impress them. And it turned, in from, it turned from that to a love, to an obsession with bike riding. Where did that big wheeler come from? Who had it in the driveway? It was just in the driveway. Oh, you just you just woke up and it was there? <laughs> no, so <laughs> so my grandma, she was like took care of all the kids in the neighborhood. So just naturally, like toys would come in and out of yeah. the house and of, and of the driveway and things of that nature. And that big wheeler was there along with footballs and basketballs and all these other things. But that was the thing that I gravitated towards. 
Now your family's from not not American, Grenada, right? Yep. Okay. As we know, when you're not from here, the dream looks different. 100%. The hustle is different. What were some of the values that you grew up in your household? Obviously, you say your grandmother, you know, a village it takes a village. Everybody's 100%. welcome. What were other values that uh you could find in your home? For sure. So um mom and dad, both from Grenada. I'm first generation. And I'm happy you asked that question mm-hmm. about those values, because those are the things that I use now. Like those are the foundations of me as a, a human being, as a person, but also when it goes into me being an athlete, into my career, et cetera. But um, hard work, dedication, mm-hmm. being relentless, sacrifice, um, being aware of your surroundings, you know, um, being being aware of the, of, of the company you keep. You yeah. know, like all those things are, are like valuable lessons that I grew up with that my parents like knock into my head mm-hmm. as much as possible, you know, because as a kid, like they're not out with me when I'm out and about running around at school and things of those natures. So they were they were very instrumental in making sure that they instilled those valuable life lessons in me that stuck with me. And I was able to apply as I was out and about moved doing my thing. I love that you say aware of your surroundings. I think in where we are today and the news that we received today, um, it's often overlooked that it's a blessing to come home. Man. Like at the end of the day that you made it home. Right. Alive, well, and Mm. safe. Right. And I think to your point, me too, as a kid, you know, there's a fearless element that's quite beautiful and refreshing Mm. where it's like, you know, you're going to take on the world. Right. But as a young black kid, as a young black girl, mm. that awareness of that surrounding, your surrounding is heightened so much so. Where are you from? I'm from Miami, Florida, right? And when did you come to New York? I came to New York. I love the interview change. I came to New York <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, went to, I came for university, studied dance. And through dance, I found the fact that I love hosting. I love mm. interviewing folks, telling stories through conversation. Mm. And it led me into hosting for the Brooklyn Nets, mm. being a Peloton instructor, starting my own company where we do mm. women empowerment events around conversation. Mm. Um, but it was, it was recognizing at a young age where my body was in space, the mm. access that people thought they had to my hair, to mm. my skin, mm. the questions that were often asked that I deemed inappropriate, but everyone thought it was cool right. because ballet is an, is, was predominantly homogenous. It still is predominantly homogenous, similar to BMX. Right. There's not a lot of folks that look like you. Not at right? all. So I think dealing with that, that awareness is increased. How did you handle those transitions of you figured out you were good at it, you're getting confirmation from people you love, your family, your mm. friends, your community, you're enjoying it, and now it's time to take it into that next level. But when you get into that next level, that arena looks different. There's no one like you. Mm. How did you, again, how did you increase that awareness and, and how did you process that mentally? Um, It was, it was gradually, mm. right? So... I, as a kid growing up in Jamaica, Queens, there were definitely a misunderstanding of what BMX was, right? Where yeah. like a lot of kids rode bikes up to a certain point and then it kind of stopped, right? You got yeah. into cars or whatever it may be, into, into other things, music, whatever it may mm-hmm. be, other hobbies. But for me, it kept it kept going. And when it kept going, people were like, well, what are you doing with this bike? Like, why are you still riding it? And why are you doing it in that way? Or like, why are you doing it in a way that wasn't common to my community? And I and I realized that it was just a matter of the exposure of the BMX world. It wasn't penetrating to the neighborhoods in, in Jamaica, Queens. Um, and those those like those instances, those those interactions I developed a very thick skin to criticism. 
Wow. Where it didn't matter what people were saying. I knew I loved it. And it was, I guess it was part like blind faith. It was part being stubborn. It was part just like, I love this and it makes me feel good. So I don't care what anyone else says about it. I'm going to do this. And when I started to get good and, and I started to like rise amongst the ranks mm. per se, and I started to see the results, I was like, okay, if I got to this point, I know that I can get to the, the next level. And it was also a bit of ignorance, right? <laughs> yes. It was like, that was part of it. To be honest, like that was part of it. And at, at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like it was also, it was also God given, you know, like I'm not here by accident. I'm here for a reason. And I believe the reason that I'm here is to live out my truth, live out my purpose um, and do as much as I can through the bicycle to affect myself those around me and those around the world who look up to me and, and, and who admire what I do. Yeah. Rolling into the second quarter, Billie Jean King says pressure is a privilege. At 18, oh, it, is. it is. Pressure is a privilege. It At is. 18, you sign with Miracle, right? Like right. that makes it pretty official. Mm -hmm. And sometimes heavy is the head that wears the crown. Happy mm -hmm. that it's the affirmation, confirmation mm -hmm. of you got what it takes. But also there's now an expectation right. on your head, <laughs> you know, like to produce. Did that, signing that contract and taking it to the professional level, did that affect your performance? No, it didn't. It actually fueled me to like go harder. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I, so I signed my first professional contract at, at uh, 18 years old, yeah. which is, again, that's very early, right? Yeah. It's literally like coming out of like high school going to the league in a sense yeah <laughs> you know what exactly I mean? that's what it was it's me. like you balling with these adults basically right. at, at that age yeah right? and, and coming out of jamaica queens right where no one in my immediate circle or my family could tell me what it's going to be like to be a professional athlete so a lot of the things that i experienced i experienced on my own for the first time and you go back to some of these fundamental things that i learned as a kid that my parents instilled in me those were the lessons that i would that i would reference whenever I'm in a situation that was foreign to me. And you're right, heavy is the head, right? There mm -hmm. was expectations from, from my family. They're like, okay, if you're going to like do this BMX thing, what are you going to do with it, right? There are expectations from my friends like, oh, what are you going to do with it? There's expectations from my community, from the world of BMX, right? And like mm -hmm. from my sponsors, like there's, like there's a certain pressure, but man, like... I marveled in it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I loved it. I, I took it on, I accepted it. And I went harder every single day. Like my mother is the prime example for me of dedication, strength, focus, relentlessness, like all of these things. And I would channel her when I'm riding and I channel the things that she was going through through her life. Um, and I, and, and I use that energy and put it into my bicycle riding. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, if I'm going to go out and ride my bike every single day, I need to make sure that I'm learning a new trick every day or I'm going as hard as I possibly can to make sure that, one, I'm fulfilling what matters to me and I'm, and I, and I'm proving it to myself first and foremost and then everyone else, right? Yeah. Like that would trickle onto the other things. And I loved it. <laughs> you weren't, I, I mean, I got to ask the obvious question. You, and even now, were there moments or have there been moments where you're just scared? Like you yeah, go do a trick and you just, for maybe for the first time, maybe for the 150th, because it's like free throws. You've done, like like these ball players have shot a free throw. The first time you shoot a free throw, it's ner you're nervous. And then like your 2000th free throw in front of the arena, for some reason, they can just get nervous. Right. Like 
when it came to tricks or performing, like, how did you deal with that? Were you not scared? I mean, yeah, like there's definitely certain times where like, I'm going to try a new trick for yeah. the first time. And it's like, okay, this, my heart is pounding. Right. But there was something about like in that moment, right, where I would like look at it where it was like, yo, this is like the fourth quarter. And it's like two minutes left and the game's on the line. <laughs> That's how I would like visualize it. And in you my got the head. ball. You got and the I ball. Got it. And it's down to me. And I'm like, oh, I missed the first shot. Oh, we're back on defense. And like, yeah. I get the ball back. I got a chance to win it again. And like, I would look at it that way in my mind. Like, and it's crazy because this is the first time I'm like speaking about it in yeah. that way. But I definitely look at it that way because I grew up watching sports, right? I love playing basketball, love playing football, and I would admire certain athletes, right? And there were those times, but in those moments, I turned up, right? Mm-hmm. And there was also some times where I didn't land a trick. Mm-hmm. And it was like, damn, like I didn't, I didn't execute what I wanted to execute. Or like I hit my shin or I hurt my wrist or I hurt this and I can't even do my thing anymore. I gotta Got to take a step back, recover it, and come back another day. Yeah. But I'm so thankful that God blessed me with the opportunity to ride another day, yeah. right? But it was always like putting that pressure on myself to take it to that level. And again, like, I mean, like thriving in like, in chaos, right? That's how I looked at it, right? Because like when like when we're outside riding and I'm at a spot and there's this this sirens going on. There's people walking by. Like there may be a crack on on the on the concrete right before I have to jump. Yeah. Or like the like landing isn't like the right pavement to land on. There's all these different things. Like the rail is shaky. But through all of that, you figure out a way to execute what you have in mind, and 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 and, and you push forward. And that's what I did throughout my entire career. I'm still doing it now, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a trick, whether it's a deal, whether it's a, it's a it's a design, whether it's a product we're working on, there's always these like speed bumps and like these like potholes and things in your way. But you work through those things, and 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 how you work through it is a, is a, it's a testament to your resolve, to your strength, to mm-hmm. your mindset. You know. Um- I know you mentioned your family, your community, and a lot of self-resilience and self-reliance. And I recognize, because when I see you, you always have your team, you have your people. I recognize as I've grown too, that we don't get here by ourselves. The voices in our heads aren't voices we made up. It's the voices that you learn at home. Mm, Whether, mm. you know, even though you told your parents you weren't listening, you really were listening. (laughs) So you got out of the house, you replay those voices, those lessons. Um, And as before we go into the halftime, one of the things that's really important to Courtside Conversation is the assist. Right. There's always maybe a few people, maybe that one person that gave you that assist that was life changing. Mm. Maybe at the moment you didn't even know you needed it or at the moment that it was this was your last hope. Who was that person for you? My brother. My brother. Adrian. What's his name? Adrian. Adrian. What's up, Adrian? Right. Hey, Diddy. What's up? <laughs> My guy. He's going to watch this and he's going to smile when he sees that. Um. So my older brother, where like he did a lot of things that I admired um, prior to me doing those things. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, I mean, of course, he, he's four years older than me. So he experienced life in a different manner than I did. He was able to see things in a different way and help me shape my path. Right. So I seen things to avoid and I seen things to do. Mm-hmm. And earlier on in my career, like anything I had a problem with, I would go to him and talk to him about it. <laughs> Even though he didn't ride bicycles, he always had an amazing perspective on life that I needed. Because again, a lot of these things I was dealing with at a very early age, like 18, 19 years old, I'm a kid still dealing with corporations and and, and bike sponsors and media and yeah. friends and just all these things. 
he had a good perspective on it. And I and I'm forever, forever grateful for him for, for, for being there for me. And I would say that that's my biggest assist. Yeah. Shout out to A. Diddy. All right. Shout A. out to A. Diddy. Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Unlike any other apps, SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're going to hop into halftime. It's going to be quick. We're going to have a little fun. We have some okay. rapid fire, and then one question before we hit into the third quarter. Here we go. TV versus movie. Like, TV or movie? Um, movie. Favorite movie? Interstellar. Whoa, I did not <laughs> Book or podcast? <laughs> Uh, I'm a podcast guy. Although you have a book that we're going to talk about right. later. <laughs> Kick the ball or catch the ball? Catch. Okay. One thing you carry with you at all times. It cannot be your cell phone and money. Not that people carry money these days, so <laughs> I sound antiquated. Chapstick. Chapstick. Right. All right. All right. I'm here for it. All right. Let's jump into the third quarter. Connection to Brooklyn. Obviously, right now, we are actually having this conversation at Barclays Center right before the Nets hit the court. Mm. Um, and Brooklyn is so special. I've been here. This is our 10th season. I've been wow. here all 10 seasons. Amazing. You hail from Queens, New York, is what how, what I said in the intro. Right. But you have ties to Brooklyn. Mm. Mentioned by some of the greatest, Jay-Z, Frank Ocean <laughs> song, Riding. You got a little line in there, you know, with the bike flips. <laughs> right, that um, part. Connection to Brooklyn and what and, and I've also seen you. My first time of ever, quote unquote, meeting you was probably about eight to nine years ago from afar. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was, it was around Barclays Center and it was a basketball event. I'm pretty sure it was like a Nike event at the mm-hmm. time. And you were on the street and you were just going ham. Right. You were amazing as you still <laughs> are, but you. it was just like, and I just remember meeting you from afar and you, 
And I know I knew who you were from that moment, and mm. so do the people on the streets of, of New York in general. Right, which is always but love. Shout we, out to New York. Shout out to the streets of New York. Yes. You guys always show me so much love, and I appreciate that. We we love we do we love you. Um, connection to Brooklyn. What makes Brooklyn special? I mean, I, so of course I'm Queens all day, every day. It's big Queens. Don't yep. ever get it twisted. But no, I've been living in Brooklyn for the past ten years. Mm. Um, and as a kid, like Brooklyn has such a, a Caribbean hub in it absolutely so on the weekends my mom and my dad would drive to brooklyn and i'll be in the back seat of the car and they'll go see their friends and stop at the local bakery and go see my aunt so i grew up every weekend coming to brooklyn going up linden boulevard and yeah. like going over here to east new york and like seeing my family um and then brooklyn also has some amazing bicycle spots like some of my favorite yeah. spots to ride in new york city are in brooklyn and then since i've been living here um what are some of those spots for folks that are listening that are huge fans of yours, they're like, I'm gonna, <laughs> right. I don't I'm gonna be at where you be at. They wanna be at where Nigel be at. No, but like when, like when it comes to riding, there's a spot called uh, George D. Rail that's on um, Gold and something over there by uh-huh. like the Brooklyn Bridge. I yeah. forget the exact street, but it's one of my favorite spots to ride. Um, so yeah, just different, different projects, different like plazas and parks within Brooklyn that um, we ride at frequently. So yeah. I have I have a lot of time. A lot of my friends live in Brooklyn. Some of my best friends live in Brooklyn as well. Um, so I spend a lot of time here. So I got nothing but love for Brooklyn. But also, again, I'm a Queens kid. Yeah. I got love yeah. for all of New York City. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know I know. I, mean? I think you you said something that that you referenced, which I often forget, but I, I also kind of deal with it. It's like you grow up, you've grown up in a public eye. Mm-hmm. Um, before being more on a national, international, it was like in the community. People yeah. knew who you were and still know. And so it's like you're repping Queens, mm-hmm. you're repping Brooklyn, like all of New York because it's so much love. And that's what makes this <laughs> sincerely like these boroughs amazing. It's because at the end of the day, while we may individually rep our own boroughs, we rep for each other. Hundred percent. Like when you make it in New York, especially I'm not from New York. Like you come to New York, you make it in New York. Respect, like right. much respect. And 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 it's one of the hardest places to make it from. Yes. As as much opportunity and exposure that we have in New York, it's also extremely difficult to find your niche, right? And like develop that and find your tribe and be with them, and mm-hmm. we all rise together. You know, it's extremely hard. But when you do make it out of here. Right. When you do make it to a certain level, it's like, man, like people know like you're like you're cut from a certain cloth to make it from New York. And I credit New York and I mean, all of New York City Mm -hmm. um, to so much of my success because it gave me so much. It gave me exposure. Right. Like riding a bicycle around New York and the different neighborhoods you ride through or the different cultures you're exposed to, different food you're going to eat different people you're going to connect with, the sounds, the sights. It's so much that happens within these five boroughs of, of, of New York City. Um, I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else. Like, I love yeah. this city. Yeah. Brooklyn basketball. I'm a Nets um, fan. I'm the Indiana host. I, <laughs> I'm like, I've definitely bought in since season one. Being from Miami, growing up as a Heat fan, being a dancer for the New York Knicks for three seasons, and then wow. moving over to Brooklyn, mm. I best fans in the NBA. Love our organization. Love the people that work at Barclays Center. Like, Shout out to the Barclays Center. Oh, my Center gosh. Employees, yes. Um, but the basketball, like, I love that we are, it, we're building legacy. It's going to take some time. The Knicks mm-hmm. have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to take some time. It's going to take, but I think what we've accomplished in 10 years is quite special. Basketball, mm-hmm. is that a sport? How hard, how close to your heart is it? 
Right. So when I think about basketball as a kid, yeah. I had a best friend. It's still one of my best friends. His name is Jordan. And he grew up in Queens in Laurelton and he had a basketball court in his backyard. And that was like the epic center for basketball in Laurelton, Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone would come play ball in his yard. And I remember us playing like 20 games like a day during the summertime, like just nice. getting beat up in the yard, like doing everything, right? And like, it was like one of those basketball courts in his yard where like the house was on one side and the grass was on the other side. Yep. And like, you would be playing defense and like get pinned up against the wall and your arms all white <laughs> because the house is painted white and like that would like rub off on your arm. But we would play ball for hours. And then we'll go play football or tag, whatever the case is. But yeah. we grew up playing basketball and one of those things that I love, you know. Um, and of course, we had hoop dreams. Like <laughs> Everybody, it, right? right? I which had hoop dreams and I couldn't even hoop. I played one game in elementary school and I was like, I'm tall. Right. I could be a basketball player. We could ball. We could all ball, you know. Um, and But it was something about the bicycle that I just loved. Like I would ride my bicycle from my house to his crib and ride the bicycle back. And within those moments is when I was like, man, this bicycle thing to me. But I mean, love playing ball. It was a thing. And like, I still love watching it. I come mm. to the Barclays, see the games. Like, I got my favorite players. Like, yeah. I'm rooting for the Nets always. Yes. Like, hometown team, you know? Um, but yeah, like, I got nothing I got nothing but love um, for the basketball scene that's growing here in, in Brooklyn. And to see how the community is galvanizing around the Nets is also incredible. You know, there's like that one section in the Barclays, that the fans go crazy. Yeah. Like, what's the name of that? Song? Yeah, the block. Right. The block is <laughs> the block crazy. is hot. Like, it's always hot. We appreciate the, the block. No, like, of course. Like, every time I come to a game, I look up and they're they're going crazy. Um, so it's awesome. You know, it's it's awesome to see what the Barclays has done in the Brooklyn community. Everything from the games to the concerts mm-hmm. to the other events that take place here. You know, um, so yeah, like keep like keep doing the damn thing. All right, well, let's roll into this fourth quarter right. before we close out this game. You have something on the table, and you've added something to your title. It's called author, <laughs> and this is a book. Right. Um, go. Mm-hmm. Quite special. Mm-hmm. How did this become, and I'm going to show the camera, how there did this go. become a thing? How did you know this is what you were adding? <laughs> I didn't know at first. Um, go started off as a film series that documented my journey around yes. the world. I was like, man, I want to ride my bicycle around the world. Cool, like that. <laughs> Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's make Bet. that happen, right? I believe like nothing's impossible. Like we yeah. can do whatever we put our minds to. And as we started to do the film series, my um, creative partner Harrison Boyce, who shot all the photos in the book, um, he was shooting images like nonstop. And we got to a certain point within the film series. I think episode like five or six, and it was like, man, we got a lot of images. We need to do something with these images. Mm. And as the universe would have it, we put it out there and we happened to get in touch with the team at, at, at Rizzoli. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, what you guys have? And we put together this Dropbox folder of all these images. And it's like, this is what we got. And they were like, 100%, let's do a book. <laughs> and the process started um, at the end of 2018, actually. We were, we, we were in Miami filming the, filming the Go Miami video. And I remember having a conversation while I was there um, and we started the process then and it took us a minute. We went through the pandemic and mm-hmm. that was a whole thing for everyone. Um, but when we came out of the pandemic, we were working on the layout. 
of the book. Like the process happened. We were in the actual layout process. And um, at the top of this year, we actually finished the layout, submitted the book, and we put it out uh, two weeks ago on October 11th. And it's doing extremely well. And it documents the entire Ghost series to date, the brand and everything we've been doing with it. Um, we've, we've been around the world. New yeah. York, LA, Tokyo, Dubai, Paris, London, Miami, Las Vegas, like a complete loop. Around the world. <laughs> around the world, which was, which was what I originally set out to do, to ride my bicycle around the globe. Wow. Um, and, this, and this kind of bookmarks the first chapter of the Ghost series. And also kind of like the first seven years of the Go brand. And we continue to, well, we, the plan is to continue to push it, continue to build a brand. But I wanted to share this with people. We wanted to make sure people had this in their hands, in their homes, and see what we've done so far. You know? Yeah, that's quite beautiful. Make sure y'all copy your Go. Right. Copy that Go book. Look at that. It's, it's in stores now. Yeah. Everything on Go.com, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take it back to close this out. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, in your head, when you're about to do, you know, one of those tricks, those stunts, like you're in the competition, maybe you failed, maybe you're doing it again. Lo- loads of people watching you, maybe here in Brooklyn, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Right. Right? That's what you say. Mm-hmm. And you got the ball. Yeah. You're in possession. For those folks that are listening that could use motivation, inspiration, drop them some knowledge. Mm, that's a good one. Man, um... I think it starts off with visualizing exactly what it is that you see for yourself and what you want to do. And from there, it's it's all those things we mentioned earlier, like dedicating yourself, working hard, working smart, you know, like not taking no for an answer, mm. pushing through those rough patches. Again, like being, being resilient is super important. Um, being aware, right? Being aware of what's going on around you. And, I, and at the end of the day, man, like dreaming big. And I feel it's, it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, dream big. But applying yourself to that dream as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? A dream without action, just an idea. Absolutely. Right? It's actually applying yourself. It's super important. Um, so many of the success stories and people that we look up to, right? And whatever, whatever industry it may be, like they had an idea, they had a dream, they had a goal, and they applied themselves and pushed through. Like it's that part. It's actually doing the work. Yes, it's doing the work. Right. Well, thank you for literally sitting courtside with me, having right. this conversation in Barclays Center. Thank you. I mean, make sure you all check out and grab your copy of Go. Hundred percent. Make it wise words. <laughs> great content. Incredible so conversation, much. Nigel. Thank I appreciate you. Appreciate you, love. Amazing. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.